Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Today we're going to be talking about the final film, Episode 9, in Disney's Star Wars trilogy, and that's The Rise of Skywalker. And since I know most people still have not seen the movie at this point, this video will be spoiler-free. I'm not just going to be dropping spoilers without warning, like some people, who shall remain nameless, but are, are definitely Sargon of Akkad. So this movie, as you probably gathered from the trailers, is all about our new characters, Rey, Finn, Poe, BB-8, all of those guys, as well as some old characters like C-3PO, Chewie is in this quite a bit, and a CGI slash repurposed unused footage Leia in their quest to thwart Palpatine, who, by the way, is back. That's a thing now, but we'll get to that later. And we also have Kylo Ren, who for the, the third movie in a row now is doing his whole, am I good? Am I bad? I don't know. I guess we'll see how I feel for the next 20 minute spiel. That's the basis of the movie, and I'm going to be telling you guys what I thought about it. But first, we have a quick message from our sponsor, NetSuite. If you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. That is what NetSuite by Oracle has set out to solve. Because most companies don't have a clear picture of their finances, and that's why many businesses fail. The question for any business owner out there is are you confident that you've got the right numbers at your fingertips? Serious entrepreneurs and finance teams run on NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud business system. NetSuite offers a full picture of all your finances, all in one place, in real time, right from your phone or your desktop. There's no more guessing, no more worry that what you don't know could kill your company. That's why NetSuite customers grow three times faster than the S&P 500, and you can too. So schedule your free demo right now and receive their free guide, 7 Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits, at NetSuite.com slash Lauren. Again, set up your free demo and get your free guide today at netsuite.com slash Lauren. That's netsuite.com slash Lauren. My eyeshadow is blue today, which I usually do not do, but I'm sick again, or should I say still sick, and I thought I could use a little more pick-me-up makeup-wise, you know, make things a little more fun, and I thought, hey, Star Wars, space, blue, it, it all it all goes together. Okay, so to just get right into it, this movie is not a bad movie, at least in my opinion. You might disagree, and, and that's fine. This is just how I feel. I thought the movie was pretty fun, definitely entertaining enough. Uh, I wasn't bored at any point. The visuals were amazing, really just top-notch. I think this is by far the most visually impressive Star Wars movie there has ever been. The acting was also fine. Watching it, I, I never really had any moments where I was thinking, wow, this... this is bad acting. And the story... well, the story was about as satisfying as it could have been, given the circumstances. Which brings us to the circumstances. To be clear, this video is not about The Last Jedi, Episode 8, this film's predecessor. There's already been plenty that's been said about it, and I'm not trying to rehash any old ground here. But at the same time, a lot of the problems that I do have with this movie kind of stem from The Last Jedi. See, when it comes to the Star Wars trilogies, 4, 5, and 6, then 1, 2, and 3, and now 7, 8, and 9, they're not like the Fast and the Furious films, okay? Where it's like each subsequent film could be about anything, with any tone, what characters are going to be in it, what's it about, who knows, totally random. When it comes to Star Wars, each trilogy is supposed to have a larger overarching plot tying the films together, which is why the films are called episodes, right? Makes sense? So what that means is that for better or worse, what Ryan Johnson did with The Last Jedi, that's 
Th that's here to stay, okay? That's part of things now. I know that apparently when George Lucas sold Lucasfilm to Disney, he did have the outlines for the next trilogy in mind, and he actually gave those to Disney. And the next movies were also things that J.J. Abrams had in mind when he did the first movie. In interviews since The Last Jedi was released, J.J. Abrams has kind of said that, no, Ryan Johnson, I mean, yeah, he, he took a different path than maybe I would have, but no, he, he, he didn't really derail things. But I mean, now, having seen Rise of Skywalker, there's no way, there's just absolutely no way that The Last Jedi didn't screw things up plot-wise. And just as an aside, guys, if you want to get more insight into the whole behind-the-scenes workings of Star Wars and really most big franchises, check out the YouTube channel Midnight's Edge. I really cannot recommend them highly enough if you are a film nerd. Probably my biggest complaint about Rise of Skywalker is that this movie just feels bloated. It's like two and a half hours long and the whole film feels like they're rushing from plot point to plot point, planet to planet to get exposition out of the way. It's like they're throwing information at you to try to make everything make sense. It almost feels like there's two movies or at least I would say a good movie and a half that's been crammed into this one. And I feel like that is The Last Jedi's fault, at least partially, because I mean, if those guys did always plan for things to end this way from the very beginning, then I feel like a lot of this stuff should have been started in Episode 8, the previous film. But instead, the events of The Last Jedi ended up affecting almost nothing, really, and so this film had so much more just story to get through than I think was comfortable for a single movie. It's like the whole thing with Palpatine. If he is supposed to be the ultimate boss, the final villain of the trilogy and maybe any Star Wars trilogies, you would think that there would be some more foreshadowing or any foreshadowing in the previous films, but there really wasn't. So it kind of just felt like he was tacked on as an afterthought, like, ooh, how are we gonna finish this off? Oh, I don't know. Oh, how about Palpatine? He was a bad guy. We bring him back, maybe? Does that work? And the way they end up getting through all of this plot as quickly as possible is that things just happen very conveniently in this movie because we can't have people struggling to find information for too long because that would just that would take too long and, and we have places to be people. So instead people conveniently drop in and out of the story a lot to tell the main character stuff and here's how the reviewer Jeremy Yans explains it and it's it's so accurate it makes my head hurt. Anytime there could be intrigue it's like someone pops into frame to explain something. It's like oh what would they need with that? Oh just popping into frame to tell you that's what it is. Okay let's go do the thing then. But what should we do? You should go to that planet. Go there. All right, now we know. It doesn't feel like there's an organic unraveling of information as much as there is just exposition vomit. I know it seems like an exaggeration, but that is literally how the movie works and how the plot is progressed. Besides bloat, another thing that bothered me about this movie is the fact that a lot of things in this film are just different than the last movie which is confusing. Let's take romance, for instance. In episode seven, Finn was kind of flirting with Rey, but then in episode eight, Rey and Finn don't interact like at all, and then Rose Tico kisses Finn in what has gotta be one of the most awkward on-screen kisses I've ever seen, and just a very platonic seeming on-screen romance, a strange film overall. But in episode nine now, and minor spoiler, I guess Rose and Finn are just not a thing romantically. At one point, Finn gives Rose a jovial arm pat, which as far as I'm concerned, 
is a friend zone move and he's just back to crushing on Ray, I guess. And don't even get me started on the whole awkward shoehorned romance between Kylo Ren and Ray because that's just its own thing and we would be here all day. And don't get me wrong, the prequel trilogy, especially episodes two and three, had some pretty bad romance writing. The whole Anakin Padme thing was brutal, but at least in that case, both of the actors were like, super hot. So even though they didn't have any chemistry and there was terrible dialogue, you could at least sit back and go, okay, objectively, I can see why you two would want a bone. But with these characters, Rey, Finn, Kylo, Ren, Rose, it's like, well, what's happening here? And I think there's also a huge lack of consistency about Rey's parents in the films. Like in episode seven, they were all foreshadow, foreshadow, foreshadow. Who are her parents? I don't know, this is important. But then in episode eight, they were literally like, oh, nah, they, they weren't anybody, it's not a big deal. We can just, we can move on from that. In episode nine though, we're back to, oh yeah, it's relevant. Who are they? Nobody knows. And I think these types of continuity errors are just what happens when you switch writers and directors between films and some of those people just don't give a damn about the trilogy. And also, a note on the character Rey. In the past, fans have criticized her for being a bit of a Mary Sue, which I think is fair. Without really any training in episodes one and two, she's just super boss at using the force. She knows the Millennium Falcon better than Han Solo. She's more committed to fighting for good than Luke Skywalker. It's like, oh, okay, we get it. She's perfect. In this movie though, I think they did make an effort to make Rey seem like less of an NPC. Like she's actually going through training. Finally, she's also not perfect all the time. She does make mistakes. And one thing that actually kind of bothered me in this film, but at, at least it's a character flaw, is that on several occasions, they'll be on a mission just doing stuff. And then out of nowhere, Rey will just peace out and go do her own thing, which is super annoying and very bad for missions to keep doing that. But overall, I guess that kind of thing is important for making a character feel like an actual character and less like feminist wish fulfillment. Still, with that being said, this film does touch on the possibility that, ooh, is Rey gonna turn to the dark side quite a bit? But it never feels genuine because, I mean, she's still Rey. She's not gonna turn to the dark side. In any case, I know that's a lot of complaining about the movie that I just did, but I do wanna reiterate that I don't think this is a bad movie. Is it amazingly good? No, but I had a fun enough time watching it, and honestly, I wouldn't mind watching it again, which is more than I can say about The Last Jedi. And if you're one of those people that is just like, Star Wars is for space battles and lightsabers, then I think you will like this because there are a lot of those things in this movie. My dad is one of those people, for instance, and he gave this movie an eight out of 10. And before we go any further talking about what the critics versus what the fans have thought of this film, I just wanted you guys to know, and maybe I should have mentioned this before, I am not a Star Wars fan. I'm really not. When it comes to Star Wars, I am the most casual viewer imaginable. I've seen all of the films except maybe Solo, I think, but I haven't watched the animated stuff and I haven't read any of the print stuff. I love sci-fi, I really do. It's one of my favorite genres, but on the whole, I kind of think of Star Wars as just 
meh. Like, I don't dislike it, but I've never understood the cult status it has for some people. And in my opinion, Star Trek is far better. Like, it's not even close. Or heck, I'd even take Stargate over Star Wars, to be honest. And I wanted to mention this because with Star Wars and really so many of these franchises that are being remade, a lot of the criticism from audiences has been brushed off as just, oh, they're angry because nostalgia or toxic fandom, etc. And that's really not the case with me. I, I didn't grow up a Star Wars fan. And by the way, I am also a woman. So, you know, no sexism here either. Just wanted to throw that out there. I'm, I'm just treating Star Wars like regular movies because to me, that's really all they are, for better or worse. At the time that I'm filming this, when the movie has literally just come out, so keep in mind this could change, I suppose, what we're seeing with the reviews is actually the inverse of what happened with The Last Jedi. On Rotten Tomatoes, the audience score is higher than the critic score. From what I've seen, a lot of audience members have been like, yeah, it's not perfect, but... It's fun, which I would agree with, but there are people out there like Jeremy of the Quartering who have suggested that eh, those audience scores seem suspiciously high, like maybe Disney's doing something funky, perhaps buying ratings. I don't know though. This is a huge movie. I'm sure tons of people are going to love it because hey, it's a big action blockbuster. But among the critics, the two biggest complaints about the film that I've seen are that A, it's unoriginal, and B, there's too much fan service. Now, concerning the first issue, what I've learned from Game of Thrones and The Last Jedi is that some professionals in show business, whether that's writers or critics, think that the most important thing you can do in your show or movie is subvert expectations. Like, have you surprised your audience? Yes? Well then, your job is done. And I do think that subverting expectations can be a good thing. I'm not saying that subverting expectations is bad, but I will say that it's not enough to make a movie good. You could write an epic story and then have your main character randomly die of a brain aneurysm. That would subvert expectations but it wouldn't necessarily be a good way to end the story. And similarly, you could have one of the main characters of your saga die randomly alone off on some planet somewhere for no seemingly apparent reason, and people would be surprised, but that doesn't mean it was a good story choice. <coughs> Luke Ryan Johnson. <clears throat> and just as subverting expectations doesn't make a story good, I also happen to think that failing to do that doesn't make a story bad either. Was I shocked at how Rise of Skywalker ended? No, but of all the problems I had with that movie, it not being surprising enough or being too predictable is pretty dang far down the list. And regarding fan service, I don't see why pleasing the fans of a franchise or featuring old characters from that franchise in the franchise is now a point of contention in media. It's just, it's very strange. Like I said, I'm not even a Star Wars fan, but the fact that this movie did feel more like the older ones than either episode seven or eight, or that it did have more old characters returning, or that it did try to bring in plot elements from previous films, 
Those were positive aspects of the movie in my eye. Why would anyone be upset about those things? These critics are acting as if fan service is inherently bad. It's not inherently bad. Anyway, that's pretty much all I have to say about the movie. And as always, I would love to know what you guys think. Are you planning on seeing Rise of Skywalker? Why or why not? If you have seen it, did you like it? Let me know. But that's it for now. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and I'll see you next time.